Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches us about Holy Ghost teleportation and acceleration. Praise the Lord. Let's make our confession as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today I'm going to talk about Holy Ghost teleportation and acceleration. Amen. And for you sci-fi fans, hang with me. We will actually get to teleportation and acceleration, but it'll take us just a few minutes to get there. Amen. First of all, I want to start with some fundamentals, some basics about following the plan of God for your life. I talk about this a lot, and I'm sure you've heard me say this many, many times, but I think it bears repeating. There is a universal desire among serious believers to fulfill the call of God on their lives while they're here on planet Earth. Amen? And that desire was planned for you by God Almighty before time itself existed. And it was planted in your heart, I believe, the moment that you were conceived. 2 Timothy 1.9 in the New King James Version. It says that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Isn't that cool? I just like saying that, before time began. It just sounds sci-fi. We're already there, folks. Hallelujah. You had a calling, you had a vision, you had a purpose. He knew you by name. He called you to that vision, to that calling, to that purpose, even before he created the universe, even before he flung the stars in place. He was thinking about you and the personal destiny that he had for you. Amen. And even if that desire on the inside of you has not made its way to the surface, I can assure you that that desire burns within every born-again believer, especially within the Spirit-filled born-again believer. Amen? Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Listen to it in the Amplified. This is a mind-blower. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is, strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's a good promise to claim. I will fulfill my purpose according to the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So that desire is in you, And under the right set of circumstances, whether it is an extended time in the Word of God, extended times in prayer, or extended times spent in the presence of God, that will, that desire to fulfill your purpose will work its way to the surface in some way, in some form. Amen? The other thing that will come to the surface when you seek the Lord with all your heart is the is the what and the how of walking out the individual plan that God has for you. Amen? 
One of the major ways you can help walk out your plan is by praying in tongues. I know, Brother Scott, that sounds like a broken record. You say it all the time. That's because you're not doing it. <laughs> you need to pray in the Holy Ghost as often as you can, whenever you can, and pray out your destiny by praying in tongues. Hallelujah. You can actually stir up the gift of God in you and stir up the plan to utilize that gift by praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. 2 Timothy 1.6 Paul said to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. One translation says, Fan the flames of the gift that God placed on the inside of you. Stir it up. One of the best ways you can stir it up is by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Proverbs 20, verse 5. You hear me quote this all the time. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Now, I am convinced by the Holy Spirit that this is an Old Testament type of praying in the Holy Ghost. Some translations say the plan or the purpose in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. One of the ways that you draw it out is by letting the rivers of living water that are on the inside of you come forth. Amen. You'll pray out the perfect will of God for your fellow saints, but you'll also pray out the perfect will of God for your life. Amen. So when you begin to stir up the gift and stir up the plan of God in you, you'll be able to follow the voice of the Lord as He directs you each step of the way along that plan. Amen. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Most of us are familiar with this. Let's read it first in the King James. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Amen. I love the way the message translation says it. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Amen. Isn't that cool? I love that. Listen for the voice of God in everything you do and everywhere you go, and you won't go wrong. You'll stay on track. You'll stay on the plan that God has for you. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, I would like to talk about the ministry of Philip the Evangelist. I believe the ministry of Philip the Evangelist is an excellent example, an excellent pattern to follow if we want to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. A pattern of seeking the Lord, a pattern of faithfulness, and a pattern of listening to and obeying the voice of the Lord. Remember I said before service started, I said, it's not enough just to hear the voice of God. you got to learn to hear and obey. Amen? Hallelujah. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve apostles called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God 
and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them and essentially launched them into the ministry of the first seven deacons. Amen. Hallelujah. So as the church of Jerusalem grew, there was a dispute among the Greek-speaking Jews, many of whom had not returned home since the day of Pentecost, who were living there in homes. That's one of the reasons they had everything common, because there were people from all over the known world, Jews, who had come there for Pentecost, who had gotten saved, had gotten filled with the Spirit, and never left. So they had to pool their resources to feed all these people. So there was this dispute between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Aramaic-speaking Jews that were native to Jerusalem and the regions round about. The Greek-speaking widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, so the apostles devised a plan to choose seven men of integrity, full of faith and wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, and who evidently spoke Greek to make sure this problem was resolved. Now, as I said already, this is where we get the church tradition of appointing deacons to oversee service-related functions in the church. Amen. These men were, in effect, the very first deacons and had a huge responsibility to oversee food distribution for hundreds, probably thousands of people. That's why they had to be men of integrity, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, men of faith, but also men who had demonstrated faithfulness. Amen. Now, I want to zero in on Philip, and I want to point out to you that Philip was one of these original seven deacons. Amen? The magnificent seven of the Holy Ghost. That just came to me. Was that the Holy Ghost, or was that my mind? I don't care. I think it's funny. So what can we learn already about the life and ministry of Philip? Just from the passage that we've already read. Well, we know this much. He was known by the leadership of the church, which meant he attended church faithfully. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. They were able to assess his character and his integrity from firsthand personal knowledge. They knew he was faithful. They knew he was full of faith. They knew he was full of wisdom. They knew he was full of the Holy Ghost. And they knew he was a man of integrity, all because he attended church faithfully. Amen. Half the battle of finding and fulfilling your divine calling is just coming to church. Just attending church faithfully. Listen to me. Every time you miss church, you miss an opportunity for God to speak into your life. Now, I know people have jobs and they have circumstances that sometimes force them to miss a service from time to time. Now, if you've got one of those situations that's beyond your control, God will get the word to you somehow, some way, anyway, okay? So I don't want to be dogmatic. I'm just saying, one more time, every time you miss church, 
generally speaking, you miss an opportunity for God to speak into your life. Also, every time you miss church, you miss an opportunity for your gifts and abilities to be recognized and utilized. Amen? Something else we know about Philip. He faithfully used his gifts and abilities to benefit the local body, the church of Jerusalem. Amen. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long Philip was a deacon, but because he was faithful to use his gifts and abilities in what was essentially a food distribution ministry, he was eventually called to the ministry of an evangelist. First Timothy chapter one, verse 12. Again, this is Paul speaking to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, and he had this to say, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Notice he had to be counted faithful first before God trusted him and put him into the ministry. Amen. So faithfulness is the key. Attend church regularly and be faithful to use your gifts and abilities to benefit the local body. Amen. Glory to God. Now, Acts chapter 13 tells us that the Apostle Paul served in the local church before he was called into full-time ministry. So even the great Apostle Paul, there was a time of demonstrating faithfulness before he was strengthened, before he was enabled, before he was launched out into his ministry. Amen? So if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it should be good enough for the rest of us. Amen? And I would say that this is true whether your ministry is within the local church or extends beyond the walls of the local church. So let's begin in Acts chapter 8 where Philip begins his evangelistic ministry. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Signs, wonders, and miracles accompany the ministry of the evangelist. Just ask Brother Ricky Leonard. Everywhere he goes and preaches the word in his missionary evangelistic role, signs, wonders, and miracles accompany him to confirm the word that he preaches to those people. Amen. Verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. Evidently, Philip, early in his ministry, had an anointing to get people saved, to get them born again. But he wasn't quite confident enough to go from getting them born again and baptized to getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. So, he deferred to the wisdom of his elders, the more experienced apostles, Peter and John. And evidently, he sent word to them, hey, we got a bunch of people down here that got born again. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus, and they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter and John come down from Jerusalem, and they got them filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, 
saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. The angel of the Lord brought the word of the Lord to Philip, and he said, Head south and pick up the road to Gaza that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza through the desert. Amen. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? In other words, we would say, do you really understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Amen. Glory to God. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Just so you know, if you don't already know, this scroll that he was reading contains what we call the messianic chapter, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's about to get crazy, folks. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. The Greek word there for caught away is the word harpazo. He came out of the water, and he got harpazoed out of there. Hallelujah. In the blink of an eye, he disappeared. He vanished. Amen. Then verse 40 says, But Philip was found at Azotus, which is modern-day Ashdod. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now let's stop right there and take a sci-fi Selah. Amen. Let's think about this for a few minutes. Depending on where, now I've done the math. I've done a little trigonometry. I've studied the map. Based on what I've looked into, depending on where Philip picked up the road to Gaza, Azotus was 40 miles from Jerusalem and was about 20 miles from Gaza, okay? So he was instantaneously transported from this pool of water anywhere from 20 to 40 miles away in the blink of an eye. That means the molecules that made up his body had to be instantaneously transported from one place to the other, probably, in my view, disassembled, transported, and reassembled when they got to their destination. Something like this. 
Star Trek had their transporter room, but thousands of years before, God did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He teleported a human being from one place on earth to another place on earth. So a sci-fi sailor means stop and think about the sci-fi implications, okay? Because, you know, today's science fiction many times is tomorrow's reality. Amen. So are we anywhere near the technology needed to accomplish something like this? Well, let me tell you where we are in terms of the teleportation of matter. The best we've been able to do so far is the teleportation of information. Here's how it's done in a nutshell. Now, stay with me. You can fire a laser through a crystal, which will cause photons to be released that are in pairs and entangled one with another. The phenomena is called quantum entanglement. It means that if two quantum particles are connected in this manner, no matter how far you separate them, if you do something to one, the same effect will happen to the other, even if they're hundreds or thousands or millions or billions of miles apart. You can change one, and it instantaneously changes the other. Okay. This has been demonstrated. This has been experimentally verified. They have put a laser with a crystal in a satellite, and they have beamed, paired, quantum entangled photons, which is a little bundle of light, a particle of light, to two separate locations, 750 miles apart. And they change one, and instantaneously, 750 miles away, it changes the other. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, now, how does that help us? <laughs> what good is that? Is that just some physicist parlor trick? Well, no, actually, it has great promise in the field of what they call quantum communication, i.e., the transmission of information at speeds well in excess of the speed of light. In fact, virtually instantaneous transmission of information. Okay, Isn't it cool? People have even envisioned a quantum Internet. Think about it. Okay. Our current understanding of physics has told us that such things are impossible. In fact, Einstein was very adamant the speed limit of the space-time continuum is the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Nothing, absolutely nothing can go faster than that. And yet it has been demonstrated that information can be transported instantaneously over quite a distance. The record so far is 750 miles. But if they can do it 750 miles, I assure you, they can do it further than that. Bottom line is this. We're a long ways away from the teleportation of matter, the teleportation of human beings. So for now, if we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it with the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. How many out there besides me would love to be teleported to the other side of the earth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and then come back and tell everybody about it? Amen. I told the Lord, I am a candidate for this kind of teleportation. You're no respecter of persons. Philip was dedicated. He wanted to fulfill the calling of God in his life. He was so intent on fulfilling the call of God for his life that he was willing to go anywhere, anytime 
to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost accommodated him and said, I got some people in Azotus that I want you to take care of, that I want you to preach the gospel to. And oh, by the way, this man you just got saved has changed the destiny of the nation of Ethiopia. Amen. Hallelujah. To wrap things up and to summarize, here are some things we can learn, some takeaways, if you will, from Philip's amazing Holy Ghost teleportation. Number one, sometimes the Lord will give you one step in the plan of God for your life, and he won't give you the next step till you execute the first step. In other words, he's not going to give you step two until you start down the road of step one. Amen. Notice, remember, the angel of the Lord told him to go south and pick up the road to Gaza. That's all he told him. No more details. So he heard and he obeyed. He had no idea there was a divine appointment waiting for him on the road to Gaza. Until he went down that road toward Gaza and saw the Ethiopian chariot and the spirit said, go join yourself to that chariot. So if he had never obeyed the voice of the Lord to go south and pick up the road to Gaza, he never would have had that divine encounter and heard the Spirit say, go get up in that chariot and help that man understand what he's reading. When Philip joined himself to that chariot, things were set in motion that changed the destiny of the entire nation of Ethiopia. It was a divine appointment if there ever was one. Listen to this. That eunuch was high up in the court of Candace queen of Ethiopia and he took the gospel of Jesus Christ back with him when he returned home listen to this historians tell us that Christianity spread from the upper classes of Ethiopian society to the masses and eventually became the official religion of the Aksum dynasty the predecessor to the nation of Ethiopia after King Izana converted to Christianity and was baptized in 341 AD all because Philip heard and obeyed the word of the Lord. Glory to God. He went from influencing the region for Christ to changing nations for Christ because he heard and obeyed the voice of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, the last thing we can take away is this. We've already alluded to it. Azotus was 20 to 40 miles away, depending on where he was down the road to Gaza. By foot, at the average pace of a human being, it would have taken him anywhere from 6 to 12 hours to get there under his own power. Yet he was teleported instantaneously by the Holy Ghost to Azotus before he could even blink an eye. Sometimes we can be walking out the plan of God for our lives in seemingly mundane fashion, step one, step two, step three, when suddenly there will be a divine encounter a divine appointment. There will be a divine Holy Ghost acceleration in your ministry. That divine Holy Ghost acceleration will cause you to be transported from one place of ministry in a quantum leap to a higher place of ministry farther and faster than we ever could have gone in our own strength, in our own power. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Holy Ghost teleportation and acceleration. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, 
visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again.